Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. Today our topic is going to be Forgetting God. Let's begin today in Deuteronomy chapter 8. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning in the 10th verse, it says, When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. But where that thou forget not the Lord thy God, in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, Lest when thou hast eaten and art full, and hast built goodly houses, and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions, and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of Flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand have gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he sware unto thy fathers, as it is this day. And it shall be, if thou do it all, forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroyed before your face, so shall ye perish, because ye would not be obedient under the voice of the Lord your God. This is an important chapter for the day that we're living in. The major problem with our nation and our culture today isn't that we're against God or hostile towards God, it's that we've forgotten Him. Verse 11 told us, But where did thou forget not the Lord thy God, and not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day? We're warned not to forget the Lord, but nevertheless, this is exactly what's happened. This has real dire implications for not only the history of our nation or the state of our culture, but also for our own lives. It directly affects us. So it's important that we take a closer look at what exactly this means. This should lead us to ask ourselves a few questions. The first question is, how did this happen? How did we get to this point? Verses 12 to 13 give us some insight into one of the reasons. They said, Lest when thou hast eaten and are full, and hast built goodly houses, and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied. What these verses show us is that prosperity can be one of the leading causes of people forgetting God. We see this not only on the societal level, we also find it in the lives of people around us. When things are bad, when they're broke, when they don't have a place to live, prayer becomes something they do daily. They're going to church, seeking out God. But when things get better, they suddenly forget about God because He gave them what they wanted. They didn't really want God. They wanted the things God could give them. They weren't really seeking God. They were seeking the things that they could get from Him. We've seen how prosperity has been turned into a curse in our land. We've been blessed to live in one of the most blessed, prosperous countries in all of human history. But yet we find so many sad, depressed people. We find so many people with crippling addictions to drugs and alcohol. And we find so many broken homes. We find so much abuse and mistreatment. We find so much hatred and division. Why is this? The natural mind tends to think that prosperity is the remedy for all these things. The world will tell you that as long as people have money and material possessions, they'll be happy and content. That's all they really need. But we see clearly, now more than ever, that that's not true at all. 
There's rich, prosperous people who have the same problems as poor people. There's wealthy people who commit suicide, wealthy people who have broken families, wealthy people who don't feel like they have any purpose or meaning in their life. So prosperity isn't the answer. This isn't to say that prosperity is bad. It's definitely not. But it can be if we don't grow with it. America didn't grow with it. As our material wealth increased, our spiritual wealth decreased. Not because we weren't capable of going deeper with God. Not because it was too hard to go deeper. It was because we didn't want to go deeper. And that's true of many nations around the world today. The way prosperity makes us forget God is by changing our focus, which is the second reason why people forget God. Prosperity isn't the only thing that makes us change our focus, but it can be one of the major factors. When we have too many things other than God vying for our focus, those other things can win out. When we have work to do, school to attend, and hobbies to work on, it's far easier for God to just slip out of the equation without us even noticing. It may not be our intention to forget about God, most times it's not, but it happens because we're not putting forth the effort to keep Him first. He may be a priority, but He's not the top priority. So when we figure out our time is limited and make decisions as to which priorities need to give way to the others, God may not make the cut for some people. Many times, this manifests itself in the form of preoccupation with things other than God. We may have deadlines to meet, appointments to get to, projects to finish. We may have people to see and to visit. And these restrictions on time may make us focus our time in other directions than on God. They may get us to give God less and less of our time. And this leads us down a slippery slope, ending in our not giving God any time at all. We may want to give God time, we just can't find any that we can spare. When it comes to prosperity, we can forget about God when our needs and our wants are met. When we have food on our plate, a roof over our heads, and then also have an abundance that goes beyond our most fundamental basic needs, then there's no real pressing lack. There's nothing that we can't do without that we don't have. At this point, many people stop praying. They stop seeking out God. They stop looking to God for answers. Because in their minds, they have all the answers. They have what they need. So they don't need God anymore. God was just a means to an end, and now He serves no purpose for them. Now they can divert their focus to what they have, looking to what they see in the natural, all the material possessions that they can hold and use. It's not hard to see how damaging this mindset is. These same things can happen on a societal level. We can become so overburdened with different national issues or cultural issues, or be so pressed for time, that we forget to go to God first. We forget to seek out the Lord and ask counsel of Him. One of the main reasons that we removed God from the public square was that we as a nation felt He was taking up too much space and too much time. We have other more important things that we need to attend to. This mindset has been rotting our country from the inside out. What this really serves to indicate is that we don't value God. We don't put Him first. We don't go to Him first. He's not our top priority. He's not the source of our blessings. He's not prosperity Himself. He's just a vehicle to get us there, a vehicle that can be discarded as soon as we arrive. So what's at the root of it? How does prosperity become a curse? And what exactly causes us to lose focus? It's pride. Verse 14 said, Then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage. This is speaking of pride. This has to do with all the manifestations we just looked at. Pride directly impacts them all. 
Our increased prosperity gives us a sense of pride that can blind us to its original source. It can make us believe the lie that we acquired all of it on our own, when no help from God or anyone else. Our focus can become skewed when pride creeps into our hearts, because pride only focuses on the self and nothing else. A prideful heart leaves no room for anyone or anything else, especially God. In fact, it attempts to be its own God. It affects our preoccupation because pride becomes so self-consumed and narcissistic that anything that doesn't have to do with the self or anything that isn't perceived to be to the benefit of the self is actively ignored. Pride is so self-involved that nothing else is remembered except in its relation to the self. And since God in His Word called for us to die to self and to crucify the selfish carnal nature that comes so naturally to us, pride can't stand God or anything that's related to Him. Pride gladly forgets God and even tries to forcefully remove Him from a person's life. This reveals to us something even deeper about this. We're at a place right now in our nation where we know that we've forgotten God. It's not hard to see that. Even many non-believers are aware of the shift in culture. But we're not going to be in this place for long. We're at an inflection point in our nation's history, and we're at a crossroads, and the direction that we choose to go will not only affect us, it will affect the generations that come after us. There are two choices for how this can develop further. Now that we realize what's occurred, it's our job as a nation and as a culture to do something about it. The right way for it to go is for us to return to God, and the wrong way is for us to harden our hearts and go down a path of idolatry and spiritual whoredom. This isn't anything unprecedented. Israel dealt with the same exact issues. Understanding Israel's history can give us a better idea of what we're seeing all around us today. Let's go to Hosea chapter 4. In Hosea chapter 4, beginning in the first verse, it says, Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out, and blood toucheth blood. Therefore shall the land mourn, and everyone that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beasts of the field and with the fowls of heaven. Yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. Now jumping down to the tenth verse, it says, For they shall eat and not have enough. They shall commit whoredom and shall not increase, because they have left off to take heed to the Lord. Whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. My people as counsel at their stocks, and their staff declare unto them. For the spirit of whoredoms have caused them to err, and they have gone a whoring from under their God. They sacrifice upon the tops of mounds, and burn incense upon the hills, under oaks and poplars and elms, because the shadow thereof is good. Therefore your daughter shall commit whoredom, and your spouses shall commit adultery. The absence of God from the public square and from the national conversation, as well as from the lives of people, creates a spiritual vacuum that can easily be filled by the spirit of whoredom, the spirit that is looking for an idol to establish in the heart. This can take the form of money, material possessions, even another person, or sometimes, in its most subtle form, it can be the idol of the self, which brings us back to pride. This is what pride attempts to do. A person or a nation can't stay in the place of simply forgetting God forever, because the pride that's at the heart of the issue isn't content with just forgetting God, it sees God and anything that relates to God as a direct threat to its supposed sovereignty and autonomy. 
so it endeavors to remove and fight against any trace of God. Pride destroys people, and it destroys countries. This is how the spirit of whoredom and idolatry not only gets a foothold, but also becomes cemented in a society. One by one, people indulge in pride and move further and further away from God and from His will, and in turn, the nation goes with them. It may feel like the nation's decline doesn't affect us, but it does, because we're members of it. We live here, and our families live here. No matter how we feel about it, we should pray for God to bless it and protect it. The course of our lives has a direct relation to the course of our nation. Isaiah 65 verses 11 to 12 in the English Standard Version say, But you who forsake the Lord, who forget my holy mount, who set a table for fortune and fill cups of mixed wine for destiny, I will destine you to the sword, and all of you shall bow down to the slaughter. Because when I called, you did not answer. When I spoke, you did not listen. But you did what was evil in my eyes and chose what I did not delight in. What's at stake is our fortune and our destiny not only national, but also personal. We know that our fortune is found in God, and as long as we have Him in our lives, we're the wealthiest and most prosperous of all people. And we know that He has a plan for us, and that His will for us is our destiny. When we forget God, we forget both of these facts, and then we're left to scramble to find a substitute which the devil is all too willing to offer us. His lies and deceptions know no bounds when it comes to these areas. He tries to tell us that our fortune is found in our property, our material possessions, our bank accounts. He tries to tell us that our destiny is to follow our heart and do whatever we please, whenever we please. He tries to offer us dreams that never manifest and never come to fruition. But forgetting God just leads us into misery, hardship, and heartbreak. We need a change. According to the concordance, the word forget in Hebrew means to be oblivious of, from want of memory or attention. We find another important element here, that of being oblivious. There are countless people today, especially younger people, who know nothing about God. They may have heard the name Jesus, but they don't really know who He is or what He did or what He offers them. They don't know Paul or John or Peter or Moses or David or anyone else. These are just names that they never heard of. And when they do hear something that they said, it means nothing to them, and they're left wondering why they should care what these men had to say. We can't blame them. We'd probably think the same way if we had no foundation to work off ourselves. But this reveals another effect of forgetting God to us. We have an entire generation that has no foundation in faith, no experience in going to church, no relation to or understanding of God at all. How did this happen? At least in times past, people may not have believed, but at the very least, they understood the basics of faith. The problem is that they weren't taught, and there was no effort made to raise them in the faith. Their lack of knowledge isn't just their fault. Some of the blame should be attributed to the preceding generations. Deuteronomy 4 and 9 tells us, Only take heed to thyself, and keep thy soul diligently. Lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart, all the days of thy life, but teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. Each generation and every person is charged with teaching God's covenant to the next. This is one of the most important callings that we all have. We're all teachers, and we're to pass down our knowledge of faith to those who come after us. Many people haven't done this, and this is why people today have become oblivious to God and the things of God. God means nothing to them. They don't go to Him for help. They don't know why they need Him. 
And unless someone tells them, they never will. With all these things that we face, with all the insurmountable odds that are before us in our culture, what do we do? Where do we go from here? We need to return to God and remember Him. That's the only thing that will bring about any change for the better. It's the only way to get back on course. Isaiah 55 verses 6 to 8 say, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Second Chronicles 7 and 14 tells us, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. We need to return. We need to have a change of mind and heart. And we need to redirect our course of action. We need to make God a priority in our society again. We need to put him back in the public square and in the national conversation. We need our culture to be infused by God and His redemptive power. We're living in a culture that is not only oblivious to God, but now openly mocks Him and His people. We can't tolerate this. We can't let this go on unaddressed. We need to demand a change. That's why we're known as Protestants. Protestants were named that because they protested the abuses of the Catholic Church. We need to protest the moral rot and decay that we see all around us. We can't just turn a blind eye, because then if we're not careful, we'll become just as oblivious as the world is. We need to stand up for truth. Actions are important. Hosea 5 and 4 says in the ESV, Their deeds do not permit them to return to their God, for the spirit of whoredom is within them, and they know not the Lord. People many times don't have such an issue with changing their words. They don't mind outwardly returning to God, but they still refuse to return inwardly which means nothing. It's just empty, idle words with nothing to back them up. Judah made the same mistake after they had rebelled from God. Jeremiah 3 and 10 says, And yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah have not turned unto me with her whole heart, but feignedly saith the Lord. They faked their return. It was false. It was all pretense with nothing real to it. And this is what the church needs to beware of. If we want real change to take place, it can't be a change that's just in words. It needs to be a change that results in godly actions, that results in God's will being done in the lives of people and in the life of our country. For those of us who haven't forgot God, God is going to use us as vessels during this change to show people how to return to God, to show them what it means to be a disciple of Christ, and to show them what God's will really is. The groundwork is being laid for a great move of God. We may have forgotten for now, but the time is here for us to remember. The same way the Lord remembers us, we need to make the choice to remember Him. Isaiah 49 and 15 says, Can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you that you never forget us that you never leave and never forsake us, that you always remember us, that you take thought for us, that you know our needs and our wants, you know our desires and our dreams and our aspirations, and that you take into consideration all these things, that you bring them to pass in your perfect timing, according to your will. Lord, we thank you that you are our provider and our sustainer. We thank you that all that we have comes from you. 
Lord, give us the wisdom and the discernment to not lose sight of that, to never forget where our blessings came from, to never forget that you were the source. Lord, we thank you for our prosperity. Lord, help us to grow with it so that we won't abuse it, but that we'll use it in the best way possible, in a way that honors you and your kingdom. Lord, for all those around us who have forgotten you, Lord, we lift them up today before you. Lord, change their heart, open up their eyes, bring to their memory again the God of their fathers. Lord, we thank you that there is a change coming. Lord, we know that we can only change ourselves, but we thank you that when we do that, we're planting the seed in those around us who see the change come about in our life that will bring to their remembrance their God. And Lord, today we lift up our nation before you and for all the nations of the world that have gone down that same dark path of forgetting you. Lord, we ask that you forgive us for giving in to that spirit of whoredom and idolatry. Lord, we rebuke that spirit today. We cast it out. It has no rightful place in our nation, and that's not what the people truly desire. Lord, we want you. We desire you, and we ask you to heal our land. Lord, we thank you for the great things that are coming. Lord, today we remember you. Today we honor you and praise you. Today we lift up before you a sacrifice from a broken and a contrite heart and a broken and a contrite nation. And Lord, we thank you that all these good things that you have promised in your word, that we today claim in faith, are coming to pass, and that our best days are yet ahead. Lord, we give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to remember God and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe, so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.